Blog Talk Radio. Hi, and thanks for listening to the Big Time Talker podcast of the Blog Talk Radio Network. I'm Burke Allen, live in Washington, D.C. Thank you so much for joining us today. The program is sponsored by our friends at Speaker Match and SpeakerMatch.com, the world's largest online virtual speakers bureau. If you're a speaker or if you're a meeting planner, get together at SpeakerMatch.com and, uh, and make speaking magic. If you'd like to be a part of the show today, our number is 516 516- Four one eight five six three five five one six four one eight five six three five. You can also send us your anonymous questions and comments in the Big Time Talker podcast chat room. I am live from Washington D.C. and and I I'd like to tease and say I'm you know at our big fancy studio. But with quarantine happening, the big fancy studio is the kitchen table. The neat thing about this is that uh, you know you can do a broadcast literally from anywhere and it doesn't cost a whole lot of money and it may very well be the wave of the future and one guy that learned this years ago who um has perfected it and made it a science is bill deweese and bill is is my buddy in the chicagoland area who in my opinion may have the very best ever job during a pandemic and we'll tell you what that is when we cross our fingers and we hope that Bill DeWeese is joining us live on the line here. <laughs> hey, Bill, how are you? Hey, Burke. So you are a guy that that, um, that you very teasingly say, uh, you know, I, I go to my basement and I talk to myself. Um, there's a little more <laughs> to it itself. than that. <laughs> a little more to it than that. You are a national voiceover talent, international voiceover talent, and a guy that, that um, you know, you came out of the broadcasting business, but – you have spent yeah. the last several years teaching people how to make a living doing podcasting and voiceover uh, work in, in, you know, it's, it's been hugely successful for you. So for someone who may be listening and they may be one of those 26 million people who have been thrown out of work, um, I want to spend the next few minutes talking about how this all came to be. So, so to start with, how is it that you got into the whole voiceover business? Well, first of all, let me say thanks for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited to be here, and it's great oh, to talk welcome. to you. Of course. Um, wow. Yeah, that's that's a good question, Burke. It's it all started. I actually I left radio in 2005, and then uh, did a uh, stint working for a business consulting firm in Chicago, and then uh, for a corporate learning services company. So I was doing more corporate work. But what happened was what felt like the worst thing that could have happened in my life. And that was uh, the the company I was working for was going out of business and I was being downsized out of a job. Okay. And I'd always had this dream in the back of my mind. I I remember think back in the nineties thinking, man, I would love to record voiceovers for a living because I was a radio guy, but the idea of actually being the guy they come to, to do, you know, TV commercials or TV promos, you know, outside of my radio station, it just seemed like such a, uh, pie in the sky, pipe dream. I, I didn't have the confidence that I was good enough, and I certainly didn't know how to go about, you know, doing it. So here, so anyhow, here I am in 2006 um, without work and trying to figure out how the heck am I going to support my family. And I thought, let's give this thing a, a try. 
And so literally with no more than a microphone and a computer and a strong desire to make it happen, I figured it out. I just went to work and I burned those bridges behind me. I never looked back and uh, I've been doing it now full time for 14 years. My buddy Bill DeWeese is our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast. And uh, I want to dispel some rumors about the voiceover business. And, and maybe I have some of these things wrong, but, but I don't think so. And I, I want to talk through them with you because yeah. people who are listening are probably thinking, oh, all right, well, look, here are two guys talking that have uh, big, deep radio voices. And, and the first, I think, misconception that people might have about uh, voiceover work is that you have to have that big, deep, bassy, uh, quote-unquote, broadcast voice. That's not the case at all whatsoever, right? You are absolutely right, Burke. As a matter of fact, it can be – it's seen as a liability by a lot of uh, people who hire voiceover talent because – and it, by, the, by the way, if you have a great voice, that's not a bad thing. But what happens is when um, you know, broadcasters typically, guys like us who first get into voiceover, we operate in one gear. You know, that's what we what, – we do what we've done. We get behind yep. that microphone and we just start doing our thing. There's so much more uh, nuance and finesse to voiceover that it, t- it took me years to really figure it out. I was lucky enough that I was able to cobble together a pretty decent living early on. But as I've done this longer, I've learned the nuance and the finesse and that it's not about how good my voice is. As a matter of fact, people, people could care less what you sound like. What they care about is can they believe you? And that has more to do with emotion and point of view and perspective and context than it has anything to do with your voice. Voiceover actually has little to do with your voice. So you don't necessarily have to have the big, deep voice. As a matter of fact, I, I right. know there are lots of ladies who do fantastic business in voiceover because it is a male-dominated field. And, and I know when yeah. I have cast for voiceover uh, uh, clients before, you know, it's like casting a television show or a movie. You're looking for something special. I'll never forget casting uh, to have someone voice, uh, be the voice of a, a radio station in Atlantic City, New Jersey, years ago. And we wanted a very young voice for a young dance music station. And we found, you know, th- this guy who sounded like he was an enthusiastic teenager. And he yeah. went on to be the voice of uh, Nickelodeon. He had a unique voice, so unique is not a bad thing. All right, here's another uh, no. thing that we can dispel about voiceovers, and that is, uh, gosh, the equipment, the investment in the equipment. It's got to cost a fortune. you got to build a studio, and you got to learn all this techie stuff. That also no longer the case, maybe at one time, but no longer the case. Yeah, I remember, quick story. I remember being at a, a radio conference in Nashville. This was probably late 80s, early 90s. No, it was in the early 90s. And I remember okay. sitting through a, uh, a workshop with a couple of voiceover talent, and one of the guys said, hey, you should expect to spend at least $50,000 in a home studio if you want Ooh. to be able to compete in voiceover. Yeah, I know exactly. That was twice what I was making in radio <laughs> at that time. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you yeah. can understand that. And, and so that was, you know, I thought, well, there goes that. Well, when I – let's flash forward to 2006. I literally started uh, my studio with 300 bucks. I set up in a um, – bedroom closet, had an old Windows 95 computer. I had, uh, for those who kind of geek out on tech stuff, uh, in case it matters, the microphone I had was a Marshall MXL 2001, which means it was a cheap microphone. You could buy one used for like 30 bucks. And uh, I ended up, I recorded national ads with that thing. I mean, it's, it's, it has very little to do with your equipment. It has a lot to do with how well you treat the space you work in. In other words, you don't want that, you know, to be in a room where your voice bounces off the walls and you sound like this. 
you've got to make sure that it's properly treated. And that could just mean being surrounded by clothing in a closet. You know, it doesn't have to be complicated. Bill DeWeese is our guest today. He's the author of How to Start and Build a Six-Figure Voiceover Business. And not only is he a voiceover talent who does it every day, but he teaches people how to get into that business. And we wanted to talk to you, Bill, because this is a wonderful time to get into the voiceover business as, as people are moving inside and, and, you know, they're coming home from yeah. work. Um, and, and sadly, you know, an awful lot of folks have been thrown out of work. Um, this is sort of a, a, a natural extension of, of the gig economy. Hey, if you'd like to call in, our number is 516-418-5635, 516-418-5635. All right. The next uh, misnomer I would think that a lot of people would have is, gosh, you, you have to have, a high-powered agent. You got to be with, you know, William Morris Endeavor or United Talent <laughs> Agency in, yeah. in order to to land these things. And uh, I, I guess there are some people that do that, but an awful lot of voiceover jobs uh, don't go through agencies at all. Is that right? Most most don't um, okay. because of the way you know the way technology has worked. Like it has in other businesses, it has really democratized voiceover. It's made it. It's made it easy to be able to deal directly with clients. When I first started, I remember I, uh, I hooked up with a, uh, a coach in New York, and uh, she, you know, she took me through everything I needed to know and said, here's how, here's how you market yourself. You get, an ad- you get a demo, you get an agent, and then you get listed on what was back then called VoiceBank, which is essentially a marketplace for, for agents you know, to find you. Um, so I got my demo done. I went out. I didn't have any problem finding representation. I got listed on VoiceBank. And I ended up being listed with about 14 agents, all actually in Europe and North America. Uh, I would say, I would say less than now, one percent of my income comes through agency work. I mean, I right? could lose all my agents tonight, and I wouldn't even notice it in my bank account. Yeah. So it's all about getting out there and hustling it yourself nowadays. It, so it really is, uh, you know, uh, not uh, the kind of job that you sit and wait for the phone to ring. That, that's not the case. You have to get out there and market yourself not anymore. on the internet. Okay. You really so, do. Yeah. So how do you, give me some tips. How, how do you get in front of prospective people that might want to hire you to do a voiceover, whether it be for a, a television commercial, a radio commercial, their on hold yeah. message at work. How do you get in front of those folks? Well, you know, first of all, I, I like to use the analogy of um, I think building a voiceover business is like going fishing. I don't know if you like to fish or not, and it's been years, but my dad used to take me fishing. And I remember okay. it's all about you got to find you have to have the right bait and the right fishing hole, right? So with voiceover, the bait is your demo. You need a demo uh, that demonstrates your capability. And it's usually in the form of a 60-second recording, maybe six, seven, eight different commercials. And there are different types of demos, but just for our example here, let's say it's a, it's a commercial demo. So you've got a good demo. So now, you know, where's the fishing hole? Where do I go to get in front of those fish, the people who hire voiceover talent? And there are a number of ways to do that. Today, there's a number of – you know, you could Google freelance. Just Google freelance, and you'll find a bunch of freelance websites, and um, you'll, you'll find that there's a place for voiceover talent to find work. As a matter of fact, one of the real hot spots right now is a. Have you ever heard of Fiverr? F I V E R R dot com. Fiverr dot com. I have. Yeah. 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 Sure. Well, they. It used to be they were a platform where you charge. You know, everything was five bucks. But not nowadays. I just I booked a gig off of Fiverr yesterday where a client paid me five hundred dollars to record a few minutes of audio. Um, my daughter is now a full time voiceover talent as well. 
and uh, she books almost all of her work off Fiverr, and she makes a really good living with voice. And, and, and that's just one example. You know, Upwork is another freelance. There's a lot of those freelance sites. So there's that. Um, in addition to that, I'll just kind of quickly hit through some things. Understanding sure. how to, to utilize Craigslist, one of, one of my best clients right now, is uh, I got from Craigslist. Um, so I, you know, I searched there. Uh, there's a number of commercial producers out there. These are just little shops that do nothing but generate a high volume of radio and TV commercials, and they market themselves to radio and TV stations throughout North America, and they keep internal rosters. And so if you, if you literally Google the term voice talent roster, they will all pop up in your search. There's a bunch of them. And once you have a demo, you can actually submit your demo to get listed on their roster. So that's another way to do it. Another way to find work is through uh, what we often refer to as pay-to-play sites like Voices.com and Voice123, where you pay a yearly subscription fee to be listed and have access to auditions. So those are some, uh, those are some of the more popular places to find work. We're talking voiceovers with National Voiceover Talent and the author of How to Start and Build a Six-Figure Voiceover Business, my friend Bill DeWeese. We wanted to talk to Bill because this is a great opportunity for, for you if you found yourself suddenly out of work or at home with extra time on your hands. Uh, as part of the gig economy, maybe voiceovers are in your future. All right, you talked about the demo. Now, I know what a demo is. I'm an old radio guy. Yeah. But for, for someone who's, who's listening that says, you know, what, what is on there? What, what makes up a good demo? Would you say in that 60-ish second demo that you, you want to give them a variety of different things you can do? Maybe you a little faster, a little slower, a little softer, a little harder sell. Or what is it, what's an ideal demo? Yeah, uh, it would be, and you, you hit on, on it right. It, it should have a range to show your, you know, the range of your capabilities. So within a commercial demo uh, that's going to be 60 seconds long, I would typically have anywhere from six to eight different commercial selections, and not entire commercials, maybe five, six, seven seconds of any given commercial. And um, and you just put, and by the way, you can record them for demonstration purposes. These don't have to be things that you've actually done. That's not expected. Everybody understands this is for demonstration. So um, when you say range, I, I would I encourage people to think beyond fast, slow, soft, louder, because in radio, that's the kind of that's the way we think. And what would happen usually with radio people, they, they record their own demo and they've essentially recorded the same thing, the same the same voiceover style seven times over, except maybe it's a little slower, a little faster, a little louder, a little softer. So I tell people right. to focus on emotion. Give me one with compassion. Give me one with a sense of urgency. Give me one that inspires a little bit of insecurity. Maybe you're selling a security type system or something that makes me want, you know, that I, that I need for my own protection. Make me feel insecure. Make me feel excited. You know, so think emotion and not style. And usually the, the product will be much better. Hey, Bill, how do you decide how to price your services? And I guess secondary to that, do you find that, if uh, if you price something you know particularly low for one client, then that could damage your ability to to price yourself at a certain uh, price range with another client. In other words, do those do those buyers talk amongst themselves? And how competitive is the pricing? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, that's a really good question because just because of the nature of the business now, and with so many people being involved, and with uh, there's no real gatekeeper anymore. So that's, you know, a lot of people, it scares. I, I'm excited by that. I, I enjoy that, that process. But to answer the last part of your question um, first, I have never, in the 14 years I've done this and I've recorded over 10,000 projects, I, I never have problems with clients who talk to each other. And I have a broad range of rates that I'll charge. 
because what you'll find is that it's not a one-size-fits-all market. And, and of course, there are considerations, there are variables. You know, what uh, is this being used for broadcast, radio, TV? If so, what market or what markets? How large are the markets? How long does it run? If it's corporate, if it's corporate work, you know, is this internal? Is it client-facing? How many people is it reaching? What's the impact to your bottom line? You know, there's there's all of the, there's all of this stuff. So what I do is when I'm mm-hmm. talking to a client, I use the old negotiating uh, te- uh, technique of letting them tell me what what they're willing to pay. So let's say, for instance, um, you have an explainer video that you need recorded, which is like a three-minute, you know commercial that would air on, on YouTube with a little animated guy talking about a product. And let's say my, my, my normal fee for that is like is 400 bucks is what I would charge typically for something like that. And so I would say to you, uh, so Burke, you know, do you have a, do you have a voiceover budget set for this? And oftentimes, usually the client will actually tell me, they'll say, yeah, you know what? I've got, you know, 200 bucks or 300. And, uh, you know, if they say I've got 600 bucks allotted for this, I'll say, great, that'll work for me. <laughs> and then we've got yes. a rate. If they say if they say one hundred dollars, I'll say, well, you know, my normal rate is four hundred. Um, can we meet someplace in the middle? So I'll use it as a place to to begin negotiating. But I'm very flexible because it's 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 a free for all when it comes to rates because everybody's budget is different and what they're willing to do. My concern, you know, a lot of people focus on, well, what am I getting per job? I don't care about that. What I care about is what am I making per day or per hour. That's what I look at, and that's what I look at growing. Makes sense. Bill DeWeese, our guest today, he's the author of How to Start and Build a Six-Figure Voiceover Business, does a ton of voiceover training. You can find him online. Uh, there's a ton of great video and free tips from Bill DeWeese at BillDeWeese.com. So when people think about voiceovers, I would assume they, they tend to think uh, about the voice on the, the Ford television commercial or perhaps yeah. a, a radio commercial that they hear, but there's a whole bunch of different uh, opportunities for voiceover. Could you, could you tick through some of the different revenue streams maybe that you go through in a typical day or a typical week? You know, what, what kinds of things do you get cast for? Well, what most people think of, like what you just said, like, you know, a national TV ad, that's the, the tip of the iceberg that sticks above the water, movie trailers, you know, network TV promos. But the bulk of the work, I would say 80 to 90% of the work that lies below the surface that most people don't think about, I mean, audiobooks, not that that's, I mean, that's, you know, that's very prevalent, that's big. But also, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of corporate work. So, for instance, uh, I'm just trying to think today, I've done several jobs today. I did a training narration for a client in Europe. I just finished up a training project for a company called Laserfiche. I did a project today for a company called ServiceNow, um, a few other things I can't remember off the top of my head. I typically do between five and ten projects a day, uh, but also in the mix will be not just major commercials, but I might do some, you know, some small radio commercials for you know, clients in, in Nebraska or North Dakota, or uh, I do a lot of you know, work in Europe as well. But I would say the bulk of the work out there is actually corporate in nature. It could be training. It could be, um, you know, internal like HR stuff, you know, motivational for employees. There's a number of things, but the bulk of the work is actually corporate related. And when you say corporate, so a lot of uh, online training films, for example, you might be the voiceover guy for that. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, and that would be actually, that'd be the biggest part of the corporate stuff, but it would be like, like I've recorded like these, um, uh, like branding type things, like for Exxon Mobil or for, uh, I've done a few things like for Rock, Rockport Shoes and um, 
which was actually really – I guess that was a little more commercial in nature. But things where it's, it's client-facing, where they're kind of building their brand identity. So it has more of a corporate feel. It's not commercial feel. It's longer form, but it's, uh, it's not really so much a sales piece. Hey, did I see recently online that you did the national voiceover for um, the Easter Sunday morning service on one of the big TV networks? Yeah, I did. Uh, for uh, Fox had uh, Fox News Channel had uh, Franklin Graham and um, he spoke, and Michael W. Smith did the music, and then so I was hired to do the introduction to that and the TV promos for it as well, which was kind of cool. That's very cool. Bill DeWeese is our guest today. He's a big-time voiceover guy on the Big Time Talker podcast. <laughs> um, so I, I'm going to ask you to, to sort of dust off the cobwebs in your brain and tell me about some of the oddest or strangest voiceovers that you may have done. What's the first one that comes to mind? <laughs> There's a lot of cobwebs there, Burke, to, to, to dust <laughs> out, too. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I remember, well, you know, sometimes people say, well, there, is there anything you turn down? There's been very few jobs that I felt uncomfortable with uh, that I've had to turn down. But I remember once I was hired to record an audio book and it was uh, it was political in nature. And, you know, I I'll record. It doesn't matter. I don't care whether you're right, left or independent or libertarian or whatever. I, you know, I'll record your, your political ads. Um, I'll be your mouthpiece for that. But this was a, and I realized the book was political in nature. Um, but when I started reading it to record it. It was nothing like the audition that I read, and there were so many, there was so much profanity, and it was so, it was one of the most hateful things I had ever read in my life. And I remember feeling dirty after about three pages in. <laughs> and um, I mean, it was it was terrible. I, it's one of those things where would if my mother ever heard that, I would die. I mean, I would just crawl in a hole and die because it was that foul. And so I, uh, I I went back to the client and said, you know, I'm sorry, this is nothing like what I auditioned for, and I I can't do this in good conscience. So that was kind of a weird thing. Uh, in terms of like bizarre jobs, oh, I'm trying to say, I mean, I've done such a broad range of of everything. I will tell you this: the coolest job I ever did, I actually it was just it was four words, and it was an audition, and all I did was the audition, and they used that, and I never had to do another thing. It was it was a Chevrolet campaign, the Find New Roads campaign. It was just four words, Chevrolet, four words. Roads. And it was and it was from an audition. And they used that. And literally, I didn't have to work at all for that. And that was my biggest paycheck ever. Bill DeWeese, our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast. It's funny what you remember. It, you made me think about the very first radio commercial I ever did. And it was what's called in the industry a tag. Um, and the tag was right. at participating Wendy's. Um, and unfortunately, as a kid who grew up in Appalachia, in, in the hills of West Virginia, uh, you know, as a 15-year-old kid at my first radio station job, I still had that thick Appalachian accent, and I said, at participate in Wendy's. Um, and, and I got, you know, <laughs> called into the program director's office, and he said, no, no, it's not Wendy's with an I, it's Wendy's. And, <laughs> and I had to practice and rehearse that over and over again. I uh, I wonder how much regional accents are a detriment if you want to get into the voiceover business. Yeah, it's not as much as it used to be. It used to be it had to be very neutral American dialect because it was all about, you know, your diction and perfection and enunciation, and it's not so much that anymore. So having a dialect uh, or a regional accent can actually be a plus, depending on what the job is and who it's for. But that being said, and by the way, I'm from Ohio. My dad was from West Virginia. I mean, I've got those are my roots. And so I, I have a lot of those. What's that? 
I bless you for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so I still have some of those idiosyncrasies that I have to deal with. And I remember being called into my program director's office on a number of occasions, too, early in my career. Uh, but what I suggest to people who do have a noticeable you know, uh, accent is to work on neutralizing that. And you can work with a dialect coach to do that so that you have a broader range depending on what the project is. Bill DeWeese, our guest today, and we're talking about voiceovers and that being a great job to get into um, that you can do from home, especially with us all quarantined from home. Is the field too overcrowded? I mean, is, are you really able to make uh, some money doing this? And, and, and I, you know, I don't want to answer your question for you, but I would have to think it's like anything yeah. else. The more effort you put into it, the more, uh, you know, the more you focus on it, the more it will expand. But maybe I'm wrong about that. Are there too many people that are doing voiceover now? No. Uh, there, now, there are a lot of people that are, you know, who are launching out into voiceover. Uh, but the reality is very few stick with it, I would say, past a few weeks or a few months. And the reason is it's just because most people aren't properly trained or prepared. They don't, you know, they jump into it and they don't get good preparation and they don't know what they're doing. And the reality is you can work as hard as you want, but if you're doing the wrong stuff, it's not going to matter. Um, and it's not a comp. What I tell people, it's not a complicated business. I'm not saying it's easy. Any business is, is, is hard work, but it's simple. And if you understand the fundamentals and you have a little guidance along the way, you certainly can make money. And I've got students, you know, you know six-figure students, and they're not necessarily the people whose voices, w- the, you know, would capture your attention, but they've learned how to do it right, and they've learned how to market themselves well. You know, when I, uh, I first started in radio all those years ago, one of the, the best pieces of advice I got, and I, I still use it today, Bill, is that for every hour that you spend on the air, you spend another hour preparing for that hour on the air. You know, this doesn't just come out of your head. Right. You have to plan out those yeah. questions and think about what you're doing. In the voiceover business, is that a fair analogy that for every hour you're recording, you, you should plan to spend an equal hour marketing yourself and, and, you know, pounding the pavement and looking for those opportunities? Well, you know, in the beginning, I always tell people expect to spend 90 plus percent of your time marketing, maybe 99 percent of your time until you get that first job. And then what will happen over time, just imagine it is like a teeter-totter. You know, over time, as you begin to get more work from all of your marketing effort, you'll start to do more work and the less marketing and to where eventually what will happen is you, you always have to market, but what happens after you have a good, a good uh, you know, book of business and some clientele that keeps coming back to you, and that's what you, you develop clients that you use on a regular basis, uh, then it's a matter more of marketing to them by keeping them happy and being prompt and doing all the things that make customers thrilled. So that's how I focus most of my marketing these days on my current clients. Hey, you brought up a, an interesting point. What are some of the things that, that you see voiceover talent do wrong? What are mistakes that, that they should avoid? You, you talked about you know, not getting things turned in on time. I would imagine timely delivery yeah. has got to be huge. You know, I, I cannot tell you how many times somebody has told me after I finished a project, um, thank me that I actually delivered it on time and promptly. And wow. they'll say things like, thanks for being easy to direct. Thanks for being easy to work with. And thanks for getting this done on time because, and I've heard this so many times, they say, you won't believe the flakes and voiceover. Well, sure, I can believe, but I mean, it's a creative industry. You know, you're dealing yeah. with creatives. You're going to get a lot of that kind of thing. You know, no offense. And I'm a part of that community. So I think I can say that. Um, so half the battle, if not most of the battle is just being a good business person. I mean, yes, you have to develop, you have to have great audio. You have to develop a skill set. 
but clients will keep hiring you because rarely do my clients say, hey, we love your voice. Man, you're just so talented. What they say is, hey, we're so appreciative of the fact that you got to us on time. I'm not sure how to take that, whether to be offended or, or you know, pleased, but uh, they, they love the fact that I <laughs> you know, deliver a good service, not so much about my voice. Interesting. So it really comes down yeah. to customer service, like so many other jobs. It really you know, does. And, and as good as you are, and, and you know, I've heard your stuff, and it is fantastic. I, I think that that Thank one-on-one you. customer service. Well, you're welcome. Really, still makes a difference. All right, I, I've picked your brain a lot. The more time you're out of the studio talking to me, the less time you can do voiceovers and have a good billable day. <laughs> um, I know there are lots of folks that that would find this interesting as a way to make. Uh, some additional income, you know, in the gig economy. And, and I know you do a lot of training, but you're my friend. And I yeah. have to confess, I don't know exactly how it works. So if somebody's interested in, in figuring out how to get into it, how do they yeah. uh, take advantage of, of what you have to offer either online? And I know there's a lot of free videos or, or how do you go about yeah. learning from you on how to do it? Well, thanks for asking the question. It's a fair question. I've got a lot, you know, there's the voiceover side of what I do. There's the voiceover training side of what I do. Um, I have over 600 free videos that you can access on my YouTube channel. Just search Bill DeWeese, D-E-W-E-E-S, and you'll find my channel, Bill DeWeese, like I said, 650-ish, maybe free, um, you know, short videos that, that talk about just about everything imaginable with voiceover. But if you're looking for a more systematic, like a course, I'm in the press. I actually have a four-week course uh, for voiceover, and uh, you can uh, go to – you can find out more about that. If you don't mind me mentioning it, it's no, uh, voiceover – voiceovertrainingnow.com 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 you said it's a four-week course obviously yeah. you must do this online in some way because we you can't get together in person yes. now yeah good yeah i'm sorry i should have mentioned that this is an online course as a matter of fact i'm right in the middle of uh uh of doing it right now we do like every thursday night but what's happening is i'm recording the sessions and then once the class is done they'll be on demand uh you'll be able to access them that way as well all right, voiceovertrainingnow.com uh, if you want to get into voiceovers. And if, if you have a business and you think, hey, that Bill DeWeese guy, he could be the voice of my business, or I need that voice, <laughs> how do folks contact you I'd love you it. That? It's just billdeweese.com. Very good. Bill, thanks for taking time to do this today. It's, it's a lot of information. I know I picked your brain pretty quick, but you've got a lot oh, of good thank stuff. You, and uh, I you know, wanted to get into it. And I really do think, and, and I'll give you the last word on this, I really do think this is uh, a great opportunity for folks right now with the whole world sort of shifting uh, in to, to be able to put some food on the table for an awful lot of folks. I think it's the best home-based opportunity out there. A lot of people talk, a lot of teachers pastors, salespeople, presenters, just good communicators. This could be the ideal business for you. Thanks. BillDeWeese.com, our guest today on the Big Time Talker podcast, powered by our friends at SpeakerMatch.com. Wherever you are, whatever you do, please stay safe and healthy. Thank you for listening. Bye, everybody.